My name is Cadillac Jack. I joined Atlanta Radio when I was 19 years old, put in a loyal 26 years. Welcome to My Second Act. I'm Preston Thompson. I'm the producer of the My Second Act podcast, a University of Alabama graduate and the show's resident millennial. PT has also met some Georgia political giants like, uh, gosh, John Lewis and Nathan Deal, but still can't figure out how to get President Biden on the Georgia Politics Podcast. Yeah, sorry about that. It's because you're not trying hard enough, PT. That's true. Have you called the right people? You know what? I should call different people. Yeah. That definitely. Have it. your people call his people. Mm-hmm. Are you your people? Yeah, I think okay. so. For yeah. right now, for right now. Mm-hmm. That could yeah. change. That could mm-hmm. change tomorrow. Um, my name's Donna. I'm Caddy's wife. Okay, we've talked about this air fryer that I got as a birthday present, which we thought we were kind of like behind the curve on the air fryer because everybody else had an air fryer. And so the first two weeks of the air fryer... Good times. Like we were frying chicken. We were frying, I don't even know what we were frying. What were we frying? Potatoes. All bacon. Kinds. We made the cinnamon rolls in there with the little strips of bacon on them. Here's what's happened to the air fryer. You've gone nutty. Like now it's become like your de facto way to cook. Everything. Everything. And not everything can be cooked in an air fryer. And you don't clean it either. No, I clean it. I don't. Yeah, okay. Well, I, I do. It's kind of like the, uh, the, 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 the basket that they cook the, the fries in and the nuggets at like McDonald's or Hardee's or somewhere. They don't change that grease, but like once every three weeks or something. So everything sort of tastes alike. Yes. And that's yeah. kind of like the air fryer has become. I'm, I occasionally will run a paper towel over it, but as far as washing it, like proper washing, I just. But I, I do. I put it in the dishwasher and do all that I stuff. I don't, yeah. Okay, yeah. But like, what were you cooking? Like last night you cooked something. I don't even know what it was. Uh, it was and a I, brisket. And, but I, you can't cook brisket in an air fryer. I Googled it. You can. Okay. I just like, what's funny is like you get on something and then you can't get off of it. Like you're, you become obsessed with it in a way. Right. Like what, what could you, what else are you attempting to do in there? I'll do anything. The girls told me the day you made like, you had this little poopery. What do you want to call it? A poo-poo, poo-poo platter. You had like an Oreo you had a chicken nugget, mozzarella sticks, a mozzarella stick, and a biscuit because mm-hmm. you were like testing. Everything turned out well. <sighs> yeah. The brisket in the oven would have taken three hours, and it took in the air fryer twenty six minutes, I think. But it looked dry. It looked it like beef jerky. It was a little yeah. dry. It was a little dry. It's kind of like the bacon. If if <sighs> there's a, it it either gets like really really crispy, or it's still raw at the end, depending on where it is in the basket. If it's on the bottom. It doesn't get cooked at all, really. But if it's on the top, it gets, um, it's like a, a, what do we get? It's like smoke jack, the, the burnt ends. Oh, yes, I love a burnt end. It's, it's like that, but but really not like that at all. It's, it's almost inedible. Yeah. It's so burnt. But. I just think maybe, you know, let's cook a few things in it, but then let's, there's a lot of ways to cook. You know, like there's a stove, there's a grill, there's like a lot of different ways to cook. So, okay. All right. All right. Noted. Noted. All right. As we sit here and record this episode of the Cadillac Jack My Second Act podcast, if you're listening on Upload Day, thank you for that. It's Tuesday, September 21st. We're going to begin with a conversation um, that 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 is changing by the hour. And so, as we begin the conversation, <clears throat> excuse me, about uh, Gabby um, Petito and her fiance Brian Laundry Landry. They had been on a cross-country road trip together. Um, Authorities on Sunday evening said that they may have found her body in Wyoming, where her family last heard from her. Her parents reported her missing on September 11th after not hearing from her for an entire week. Uh, He returned, he being Brian, he returned to Florida 
in the van that they took on this 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 cross country road trip that began in July. But she was not with him, and he has refused to cooperate with police after the missing persons report was filed, and he has since gone missing himself. They were childhood sweethearts who met growing up on Long Island, New York, and his parents later moved to Northport, Florida, which is about 35 miles south of Sarasota. And this story, as it should, has attracted national attention. And Sunday evening, the FBI says that they found human remains in Wyoming that are, and and using their words here, consistent with the description of Gabby, 22-year-old. And if you're listening on upload date, uh, the coroner says they would do a complete autopsy today. Well, there's a lot of things that are crazy about the story, but one of the things that is slightly fascinating is that you know who reported the van to the FBI it was a YouTube vlogger who who they're known that these two people and they they um, tr- they vlog about their travels and their names are um, Red White and Bethune it's a uh, Jen and Kyle Bethune so they they had they were editing footage of their trip and found what they thought was the van um, from Gabby and her you know, boyfriend at the time. Um, and so they turned the film, they turned the film over to the FBI. And so, I mean, imagine like a needle in a haystack. Like, I mean, the fact that everybody's out looking and these people just happen to be editing their footage from their travels. So they saw the van parked there on what could be August 27th. And the really creepy thing is, is in the back of the footage, it looks like somebody's digging something. Um, so, and then they turned that over to the FBI and then they proceeded from there. This is like, this story on so many levels, as a parent, as a human, obviously it freaks you out, but as a parent, it freaks me out so bad because, you know, when you have little kids, it's like they're slightly contained and and you worry about the future, but the future is the future. So, right, if you have, if you're listening and you have little bitty kids, you're worried about, am I in the best neighborhood for schools? Um, you know, am I going to be able to afford to, to raise them? All the things that you're thinking about when your kids are little. Now having a 22-year-old that's out of the house, our 22-year-old son, Will, who's out of the house and living on his own, and our 18-year-old who's getting ready to graduate from high school and go to college, and then we have a 15-year-old, these, this story just scares me to death. Um, and it's not even so much the, the, the part about her and her boyfriend and the fact that obviously – there's some involvement there, we think, allegedly, we don't know yet. But that's scary because, yes, as as a mom of two daughters and as a dad of two daughters, you worry about the men who are in your daughter's lives, but also women and girls. And And I was saying to you, it's like there's nothing as parents we can do other than do everything that we know to do. You know, tell them all the pitfalls and, and, and all the things that can happen and you know, please hang out with the right people. But the weird thing about the world, as it's always been and as it is now, is people sometimes aren't who they say they are. So for me, it's that fear of the unknown, that you push them out into the world and then you just pray to God that nothing happens. And and you and I were talking about it. it, it there's probably nothing her parents did wrong. There's probably nothing his parents did wrong. But things you know, change in their lives and, and things that happen. And sometimes, you know, like maybe her parents said, I don't think it's a great idea for you to travel across country. But 
if you're parenting kids in, in the 18 to 23 year old category, they all know better, you know, because they, they think they're fully cooked and they don't need your advice anymore. And it's just so scary because every day you have no idea, like on a daily basis, I don't know what Will's doing. You don't know what Will's doing. I know he's working, but you just pray to God that they've got people in their lives who care about him and are, are about them and are friends with them and, and genuinely want the best for them. But you just don't know. And it's just so heartbreaking. I cannot imagine her parents, how they feel. And also I can't imagine how his parents feel. And I think that's something that, that many are missing. And I took some crap on Facebook Sunday night because I, I, someone said, you know, thinking about her parents must, must be heartbreaking. Absolutely it is. And I made a comment and I just simply said, let's also be thinking about his parents as well. And people kind of came at me a little bit. And I said, listen, as a, as a father of three kids, also as a son, there are things that I have done in my life that are not in any way a reflection on the way that my mother and my father raised me. This horrible, horrible decisions that I have made as an adult that do not reflect on the way that they raised me well at all. As moms and as dads, we do the best that we can to raise our, our kids. And they sometimes, we sometimes go out into the world and either don't apply the learning or the things that we've learned from, from our moms and our dads about how to do things right and how to make the right decisions. Often, um, sometimes we don't apply that. And so someone said, but I bet his parents know where he is. I bet his parents are hiding him. I bet they know where he is because he's still missing. As, as we record this episode right, right now, he's still missing and is, is not cooperating. Um, his, his parents did invite the FBI and local authorities into their home, I think, on uh, Friday evening before the weekend began um, for, for a conversation. But um, I cannot put myself in the place of Joseph's. Uh, I'm sorry, Joseph's, uh, Gabby's father, but uh, Brian's mother and father. I can't put my play. I can't put myself in their place right now. If you knew where he was, would you offer that information to authorities? I don't know. Would it be the right thing to do? Of course, it would be. Should you do that? Of course, you should. But that's your son. He's not been convicted of a crime yet. Does it look like that's the way that all of this played out? Absolutely, there's no question at all. Do I think that he should be thrown in a, uh, a swamp of alligators, much like she was, we believe, uh, with no judge, no jury, and no conversation, no discussion? Probably so. But until you're in that position, I just don't know how I as a dad, how I as a father would react. Yeah, no, I get it. And that's out there. And I know I'm probably going to catch a lot of hell about no, saying no, no, that. No, 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 I get it. I mean, I think that, you know, we we're, we do everything we can do for our kids. I mean, you just do. And I think until you're in that position and you're a parent, you just don't know. Somebody said to me one time, like, before you have kids, your heart beats on the inside. And then after you have kids, your heart's always beating on the outside of your body. And it's so true. This story has just really struck me. And I think it's because Olivia's going out into the world next year. It's just like, oh, you know, because... They're just, they're roads they go down that they have no idea that they're going to turn the other way. And and honestly, we don't know anything. We will later because it will come out in the three-hour dateline or a, you know, long-form podcast or something. We'll know all the details. But something happened. And, and we don't know what happened or how it turned whatever way. But it's just, you know, 
all of the ins and outs of it are horrible, I'm sure. As a parent, the scariest part is just that loss of control. And I mean, listen, from the highest level of, God forbid, something tragic happening to your kid to just the smallest level. I think about all the time the, the boy who was on the news who, you know, went to high school and, and was kind of sheltered, didn't, didn't party a lot, and then went down to LSU and drank too much in a fraternity one night and didn't wake up. So, I mean, it's, it's from the highest, highest of levels of the worst thing that can happen to your kid to the smallest levels of car accidents and just everything. It's just so hard. You know, you want them to go out and, and be adults and, and start their life. But then there's just all this stuff out there and we just can't control everything. You know, after police found a body that they believed to be that of Gabby, um, her father and her brother took to social media. Um, her father just wrote on Instagram with a, a photograph of her posing in front of a mural of, of angel wings. She touched the world. And we've seen these, you know, these angel wings are, are on social media quite a bit. I, I know specifically Nashville, I believe, the Gulch. Yep. There's um, a set of those wings that a lot of people have their photographs taken in front of. Her younger brother, TJ, also took to Instagram with um, a picture of Gabby standing very close to the same angel mural with a big smile on her face. And he wrote, I don't even know what to say. I'm at a total loss. My heart is shattered. Hashtag justice for Gabby. And we'll learn more. If you're listening on upload date today, we'll learn more about this later today and in the coming days as the autopsy is performed on that body that they found in Wyoming, believed to be that Gabby. Uh, a full autopsy scheduled for uh, today. Tough, tough conversation. Yeah, definitely. We talked last week about the changes to the dinner affair selection process, we'll call it, where um, now it's kind of been streamlined and the ordering process has been made easier for your family. They're also making some very small changes on the website, dinneraffair.com, dinneraffair.com. And a lot of these small changes and these tweaks are based on uh, feedback from you, Dinner Affair customers. They're going to roll out a faster checkout process, a loyalty rewards program, uh, more side options, and uh, a few other back-end integrations, as they're called, that make the process a whole lot easier at dinneraffair.com, dinneraffair.com. Yeah, so if you have not ordered yet from Dinner Affair, it's a great time to jump in. I mean, all of these things that are coming on board are only there to make your life easier. I don't know how they can get much quicker in ordering because it's, it's pretty quick. The delivery turnaround <laughs> Yeah, I mean, 36 hours. It's unbelievable, but I'm sure they'll make it even better. Um, and right now... If you have ever thought of getting on the dinner affair train, it is time because guess what they have back and they only do it like I think once a year, maybe once or twice a year, but they have their honey bourbon beef brisket on the menu and it's awesome. So you still have time to add that to your order if you want to um, order today. To keep things simple, the packages now come in, in, in a family uh, to feed a family of two, three or four. And that depends on the package that you choose and the number of people that you have sitting around your, your dinner table. Um, I want to do the math on just one of these with the $30 caddy 2021 discount at checkout at dinneraffair.com. Uh, let's say you select six, uh, six chef created dinners, $199, $829 per serving is what it comes out to. That's unbelievable. Minus your caddy discount 
if this will be your first order, you're down to uh, 179 bucks for six chef-created dinners, free delivery, no contract. Dinner Affair uh, would deliver straight to your front porch, straight to your front door. They also ship nationwide and always a money-back guarantee at dinneraffair.com, dinneraffair.com. You'll love it. Get some time back and some great meals, too. We have a small ask of you three things. Number one, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss anything coming up. Number two, invite and encourage three people in your circle or complete strangers that you may run into on an upcoming fall break trip to enjoy the podcast and listen to the very end of each episode and show the sponsors some love. Gallery Furniture in Gainesville, dinneraffair.com, the Denny's 55 plus menu, visit denny's.com. And yes. Don't you feel like these fall breaks come around just out of nowhere? Well, Fulton County doesn't have one, I don't think. Right, because well, we started a week later in Fulton County schools. I guess so. I think Charlotte's. I think private school has one, but it's later. This week, though, Forsyth County, I know, is out in Metro Atlanta, as is Cherokee County and a couple of others. So as you travel, enjoy the My Second Act Hype Songs playlist when you fly Delta, Atlanta's hometown airline. Just engage Delta's studio. Then sit back, relax, and enjoy the playlists on the Spotify app. And as we do every episode of the My Second Act podcast, we're going to add two songs to the Hype Song playlist. And these are songs that we are enjoying right now or that uh, got us out of bed to, to, to start our day or just that um, keep us going throughout the day. And we'll go with you, Donna, first, as we always do. Okay, I am adding from Alanis, Alanis, Alanis Morissette, Hand in My Pocket from the fabulous album, Jagged, Jagged Little, Little Pill. Pill. I mean... If you don't remember that, well, you're you're probably really young, number one, but um, which is that's possible. But that album, which it was an album, it changed my life. I mean, I was like, if up until that point, if you had ever had a breakup, you just had a breakup. But I feel like she was the first person, like even pre Taylor Swift, pre Pink, pre anyone, to be like, okay, like the Dixie Chicks, this is what happened. It's going down. And like called out people that she was in relationships with, sort of like, kind of like the one guy from Full House. Remember him? Dave Coulier? She called him out in a song? Oh, well, that's what that song's about. The one about where. Going down on you in a theater? Okay, no, we didn't have to say that. Is that it though? Because, oh my gosh. Well, but come on, that line, when that album came out and that line was for, you first heard that song, I mean, you don't talk about comparing her to the artists that. that, that, that Hello. But is that it? Yes. He was the one? Yes. You didn't know that? I had no idea. You Dave did not know Coulier? that. He's also the comedian. He's a comedian. Yeah, like Bob Dave, Saget. Dave Coulier from Full House? Yes. Like Uncle Joey? No. No, no, no. That's um, Jesse. That's need... Jesse. No. You're thinking about. You're, are, you say, are you thinking of John Stamos? No. 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 Hang on. I'm telling Wait. y'all. Yeah, we got to get Coulier. this right. This is big. We got to get Wait, this right. Yeah. <laughs> no, he was much older than her. And hang on. Dave Coulier is Uncle Joey. Okay, here we go. Dave Coulier, Alanis Morissette. The truth about Alanis Morissette's relationship with Dave Coulier. Alanis Morissette and Dave Coulier had one of the most publicized relationships in the 1990s. What? I didn't yes. know they were. That is a they, strange match. I didn't know they dated. Hello, hello, hello. Um, most famously, it is rumored that the singer who was writing her second album, Jagged Little Pill, during the relationship, wrote her smash hit, You Ought to Know, about Coulier. It was oh a pretty God. jarring contrast from his Joey Gladstone persona. No kidding. Yeah. For a while, Coulier was willing to say the song was about him, but more recently he changed his tune. Here's the thing. He is very dirty. Like, if you've ever seen him as a comedian, he's he is not, like, clean at all. 
And so that kind of shocked people because here he is playing, like like you said, this uncle on Full House. You hit the highs, you hit the lows. You remember that song? The Full House song? Well, so yes, he he was, I think he was married or something was going. And they went to the movie theater. No, that's not, it's not like an autobiographical thing. But I'm, I don't know about that part. Okay. But she was pissed at him. Is that that line? Is that line yes, from that song? Yes, well, that's yes. got to be him then. Okay. Yes. Yes. We weren't there, allegedly. We don't know. Wow. I had no clue. Have I blown y'all's minds? Seriously, we can blown, stop recording. Blown your, your minds? Yep. We're anyway. Done. That's the episode. Um, Yes. So she wrote that, but she was angry. And that's when all the women who were angry started getting angry. Like, you know what I mean? We were gripping our steering wheel and our like Nissan Sentras because back then that's what we were driving. And like, we may have even had like a tree air freshener hanging from our thing. And we're like, yeah, we're not putting up with this. Sing it, Lonis. Sing it for me. Because up until then, it was like nobody really spoke for the women. Well, you never heard that line before either. Well, not just that line. Well, but come that on, you seem that line to be hung no, up on. I was. I was. That, that album came out probably 96, I think. Yeah. I just got no, to Atlanta. Well, I don't yeah. know about that. 96. Look that up. Yeah, if you don't mind. It was, I mean, you got me working today here. Let's see. Okay. Uh, I, I remember, though, listening to that album. You know, there are albums and, and, and music that, that you can go back to the exact spot where you were when that, that music and that album was was popular and was everywhere. And at the time, I was spending a lot of time up at Lake Lanier and a lot of time with friends at the uh, Cosmic Bowling at the Brunswick Lanes in, in Roswell, Georgia. Okay, it was released in 1995, so you're about yeah, right. Yeah. yeah. It was re-released twice, and there's also a, a Broadway play. There was an off-Broadway play that was made about, yes. About that song and that line? I tell you what, Preston, I'm just, I'm glad I'm here for you guys. A musical stage production based on the album premiered at the American Repertory Theater in Cambridge, May 5th, 2018, transferred to Broadway the following year, and was nominated, Preston, for 15 Tony Awards. Wow. Including Best Musical. <laughs> I am so glad I'm here for you guys. Anyways, she's she's great. Um, incredibly well spoken. Has written a couple of books, um, but yeah. So they re-recorded the album a couple of times. I would love to go see her. Recently, I think she played a tour where she played the set. You know, kind of like Pearl Jam's done in its entirety. 10, from in its entirety. Yeah. And I mean, I think the women were just like you know they're like they're like me in their forties and fifties, and they're just running up the stage, still pissed about old Jimmy who left them somewhere in the Centra. You know. In 2000, whenever it was, six, 2005. But man, I love Top, I mean, from start to finish, it was just such a great album. All right, what about you? You ready? Yes. Here we go. How do you follow that up? Aretha. Aretha Franklin is now at the top of the list of Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs of All Time. For I think f- she should be. So right? I'm going to add that one to uh, to the Hype Song playlist. Rolling Stone updated this list for the first time in 17 years, just uh, within 10 days ago. Um, in 2004, when the last changes were made, the iPod, just to put this into perspective, the iPod was relatively new. C- uh, country singer Kelsey Ballerini was five years old. Wow. And the number one song on the list of 2004 was Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. My, how things have changed. Because now, number one is Respect from Aretha. Number two, Fight the Power by Public Enemy. I have researched this and looked up and down. That song, to my knowledge and my research, which is not always entirely correct, did not even make the 500 songs back in 2004. Now, that's quite an entry. 
Mm-hmm. Hmm. Number three, Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. Great song. Um, number four, Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. Number five, Smells Like Teen Spirit from Nirvana. More than half of the songs on the new list, just released, weren't present on the old list, including 33% of the top 100. Barely making the list at number 500, Stronger from Kanye. Don't you know that he's pissed off? Like, wouldn't you rather be, I would rather be number 499. The number 500. I bet he said, you know, I mean, if you're 500, you are dead last. Like people that are curious, what's like, what's the last, what's song number 500? And you flip, you know, through Rolling Stone and you get paper cuts flipping the pages and you look and it's like Kanye number 500 is Kanye stronger. You never look to see what was 499. Nobody cares about 499 necessarily, but 500, you kind of want to know. And so Kanye's he's, he's, he's He's pissed. pissed. It's kind of like, like when I used to run like in high school, like, um, cross country but I didn't really run like I would hang out at the Dairy Queen until somebody like my boyfriend and his friends would pick me up and bring me back to the high school but anywho's it all came together when it was time for the race because like I hadn't trained so I wasn't ready and so like people would have left the stands like they grabbed their chairs they were gone they were in their cars they were on the road home. They were and home. I'm still coming in and like my mom and like maybe my boyfriend I don't even know my boyfriend Annette, your sister. maybe and like somebody would have been there like you can do it. You got it. Like, even the coach had, like, started packing up. He's like, all right, come on. Like, it was just like. Tiger, come on. Yeah. Just like. Speed don't, up a little bit. Yeah. You don't even need to finish. We're done. I got to take my boy to a Cup meeting. Yeah. That's like what it's like to be that 500th person. Here's what I want to know about this list. Who compiles this? How does this come together? It's a list of uh, journalists, record people. Um, I think uh, I had that information, but I deleted it. Like people, it. readers? No. Oh. No. You have to have a little bit of uh, cred to you. Got it. So the highest country song, what was that you said? Jolene, Jolene. by Dolly uh, at number 63. PT, you were, uh, 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 you checked this list out. What do you think? It's just kind of weird to me. Like I, it's it's the, the overall idea of creating 500 songs all time is weird to me. It does feel like they shoehorned in a lot of newer stuff so that it would make more news. You know, they have Billie Eilish really high and I love Billie Eilish, but like we have no idea being a year separated from that song if it's one of the greatest all time, they have all so current. Yeah. And they have all too well from Taylor Swift, which is having a second life like now. And then they're saying, Oh, well it's one of the greatest of all time. Now. I, I don't know. It just feels weird. There's no Elvis. I don't think in the top 100. Yeah, I saw that too. That seems kind of, that's kind of weird. Why do you think Rolling Stone felt the need Donna to update this list right now in the year 2021? Well, I mean, just to get some, some like press. Do you, do you, well, and they're getting a lot of that. I mean, because I get an email from them every week. Like, do I want to come back for two cents? Like, will I subscribe? Yes, for like 20, 22 cents. So, I mean, they need some press, you know. I think it's telling that number two and number three on the list, again, a Fight the Power by Public Enemy and a Change is Going to Come by Sam Cooke are, are framed around Black Lives Matter. Well, it, al- it almost seems like they're making the greatest songs of the current moment. Like, these are the 500 greatest yes. songs that we I have agree, right now. And not necessarily the greatest songs of all time. Yeah, I think so too. Which is the list. I agree yeah. with that too. You know what I hope didn't make that list is that song about that girl that kept riding by that little boy's house. That was so sad. The country song? No, that we listened that the little girl that oh my gosh. Oh, that all the teenagers listen to. I ride by your house and you're not there. Driver's license. Oh my driver's yes. license. Yes. Yes. Olivia Ro- Olivia Rodriguez. I cannot like like I said in a previous pod, like just park your car. He's there. You've ridden by his house a hundred times. Like, oh, I can't take that. What's a song these kids are listening to right now that we can't take? Like, is there anything? Because that yeah, one, that sure. was one for a while. Is there anything right now? 
everything. Nothing. Uh, there, there, there has to. There's an entire list. I'm sure that we could rattle off. But Charles, tell me about like. Um, Charles, our 15 year old daughter. Saltman. Yes, who told me? Well, she wanted to go to Music Midtown this past weekend to see Machine Gun Kelly, and you know, I, we uh, I went over that whole Music Midtown situation. I averted it because of the rain this year. So the last thing you want to be is that parent in the Daisy Dukes and the tank top up on the hill trying to find your kid in the rain. Well, I was pitched that same thing. Yeah. And I said, Charlotte, listen. It's COVID's everywhere. I'm not saying no, but let's talk about this. How many kids, friends are we talking about? And she starts rattling off a list that there was more than a dozen. I said, that's a really big ask. That's a big ask of any parent. Oh, wait, you were going to take all those kids with you? Uh, well, it's my understanding you were doing Saturday and I was doing Sunday. What? Yeah. Yeah. But with COVID and rain. Oh, uh, you should. I mean, I like pull the and I never pull the COVID out, but I pulled the COVID out. I'm like a lot of bodies around each other. She's like, I know, but we've all been vaccinated. I'm like, that doesn't seem to matter right now. And then I'm like, heavy rains. And there was heavy and rain. The rain continues. A lot of mud this weekend. So we averted that. Reba McIntyre will do anything to get pressed for this new box set that's okay. about to come out. She did not, fall including throw herself God. down a flight of stairs in Oklahoma. That's when you're desperate to 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 make the news cycle. And as she she as she tumbles down this staircase in a video, you can hear her say, Don't forget my box set comes out in two weeks. I think she's actually, you know what I think she said? When she I think maybe Rex pushed her, that boyfriend of hers, number one. And then I think when she was going down the stairs, she said, I'm a survivor. <laughs> This happened um, in, in Oklahoma. She and her boyfriend, Rex Lynn, who is, um, he's an actor from from one of the... I don't know, but I just love that name. I told you. Like, Reba and Rex are coming over to the party this weekend. Get out the good vodka. They're in a 100-year-old building. That's a problem. Why, we don't know. And she was forced to flee through a window of this historical site. When she reached the second floor, the stairs below both she and Rex crumbled. Well, God forbid, thank God she's she's okay, number one. After the rescue took place, the second and third story stairs collapsed completely. Like a scene out of uh, out of, of Chips back in the day with a... Uh, uh, Paunchy. Paunch and, and Lefty or whatever the names were. Well, you I know how, how they would ju- they would pull the person from the from the crash and then suddenly would just... And it's not just, this is not just Chips, this is any fire or police show you know they pull the person from the car crash and they, they get them over to the side there of the interstate where the traffic shut down and then as soon as their feet clear the the window what happens the car blows up of course it does same thing reba they bear they, they pull her out of the window the fire and rescue people in oklahoma remember that show Emer- and then the stairs collapse remember the show emergency whatever it was and it'd be like I rampart rampart whatever rampart show. meant yeah. yes Love, love that, that show. show. I think that they were touring the building because they were looking to invest in something. Like, I don't know if they're going to do a restaurant. In, in, in this building? Yes, I do. I think that's why they were there. Well, I guess that's, that, that, well, that's shot yeah. now, huh? Well, they got a really good deal on it. But, I mean, I'm just glad she's she's okay. Because here's the thing about Reba. She's hardy. So, I mean, it's not like, like, had that been Winona, they'd be like, oh, boy, we got to get, you know, we got to get all this situation under control. But, like, I could see Reba, like, busting out a window, poking her boot through and, like, I mean, she's pretty, she's pretty limber, don't you think? In in one of the articles, news articles I saw, it says it is unknown whether the "I'm a Survivor" singer will pursue legal action against the property owners. Well, and Reba says, "Wait a minute, I'm not just an I'm a Survivor singer. I got a box set coming out in two weeks, and I just threw myself down a flight of stairs to get some press. Please include that." 
in the in the news article. I don't think that happened. The Wall Street Journal has unearthed some internal research from Facebook. And Facebook admits in this research, because the Wall Street Journal is publishing this research that they have been given, and it wasn't given to them by Facebook. Facebook admits that they know Instagram is toxic for teens. The leaked documents show that despite knowing the harmful impacts of Instagram on teens, Facebook has really not acted much, if at all, to make it less toxic and to protect its users, which 1 billion active monthly users on Instagram. And of those 1 billion with a B, uh, more than 40% of its users are 22 years old and younger. I mean, this is just crazy, but we all know this. It's not, I mean, it's not like they had to do the research for us to know this. I was talking to a friend of mine the other day and she said that, she said, have you ever watched your kid's face on like a Friday, maybe a Friday afternoon when they're scrolling, maybe you're driving them home from school and they're scrolling social media. You can literally watch their face change if they come across somebody and you'll be having a conversation with them. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, okay, wait, okay. Because they've seen something that someone's doing that they weren't invited to with a group of their friends yeah, often that they didn't know about. And it happens all the time. And she was telling me it's just heartbreaking because they don't want to tell you what's going on. You're like, oh, is everything okay? Yes. It's fine. It's fine. Mom. You know, they don't want oh, It's fine. Dad. They don't want to get involved in the conversation, but there's so much of that. I mean, it is a, and we talk about this all the time. And as, as parents, you always do but there's, it's so hard. You can't put the genie back in the bottle. But the, the interesting thing that I thought on this is obviously the attractive thing because everybody's filtered now. You know, when you come across an Instagram profile that doesn't have those filters on it, it's almost like shocking in a way because everything is lit a certain way. Everyone looks a certain way. Everyone, you know, this. But the thing that I've, I thought was very interesting is the whole thing about they don't have enough money because I think that's very true. And I think TikTok is probably the worst one for that, actually, more so than Instagram. I think Instagram is body image and travel and what you should be doing. I think TikTok is nothing at times but a feed of overindulged kids who almost are like mocking their parents, some of them, because they're brats, some of them, on, you know, what they have. It's it's the whole thing that we just went through with the rush thing, the Alabama rush thing. You know, these are my clothes. This is my Cartier bracelet. This is my purse. This is my, they're so label conscious. And so now kids, you know, it's like in real time or like my, you know, that one where it's like my rich friend's house check and they show like the big old house or, you know, oh, this is what my parents got me on my 16th birthday. This is my new car. So these kids who don't have fully formed brains are watching all this and thinking, why can't I have that? Do my parents not love me that much? What's the deal? You know, it's just sad. It's sad. How do we become well, this is a larger conversation in general, but like, how do we become this country that, that is, that allows our narrative to be fed to us? How are we not controlling our own narrative? When did it get this way? Where we're just like, you know, whatever the press says, we believe whatever and whatever Instagram says, the shorts that we should be wearing, that's what we wear. What happened? Preston, what happened? Speaking of shorts real quick, we'll get to PT. Hang on one sec. Um, did you send me something from, from, Charlotte, I'm not yes. going to, uh, Charlotte School says they can no longer wear 5.5 inseam shorts. Yeah, some of those little boys are going to be in trouble. I mean, they're going. But was that legit? Yes. Okay. And they had a picture of a little boy's legs. And they showed like, 
these shorts are not acceptable anymore. Which I will Why tell. anymore? We're, we're four months into the school year. Well, I think they were never acceptable, but these boys kept wearing these shorts. And I'll tell you, sometimes when I'm driving through the parking lot, I'm like, when I do carpool, it's what like, where, on where earth? are your shorts, dude? It's yeah. like they're wearing volleyball shorts or something. I mean, I've got some kids that work with me in the store that wear short shorts. And I'm like, yeah, listen, these are a little too short. Somewhere between zookeeper, docent, and Which volleyball like 8. shorts. 8.5s. Eight, yeah, 9.9s. Nine Cargos. 9.9s. Nine you know, and a volleyball short is where you need to be. That's the area you need to be in. You know what I mean? BT is a producer of the My Second Act podcast. My wife and I were actually talking about the story this weekend, and we both agreed that we kind of just barely missed the phase of high school where social media was truly, truly harmful. Because I had it a little bit. I had a Facebook in high school. When I was in ninth grade, that's like when it got popular. So everybody got one as soon as they hit ninth grade. But that was ba- I didn't get a Twitter until I was a junior in college, and I got an Instagram around the same time. I, I was a little more developed at that point. Because it I, wasn't so much. Yeah. Pre- yeah, not everybody it's had so, it. And I just can't even imagine the level. The, the kids call it FOMO, mm-hmm. the fear of missing out. I can't even imagine the level you would have of that as a ninth grader or 10th grader. And if, if anybody is a parent sitting at home, I would encourage you to watch a movie called Eighth Grade. It's written and directed by Bo Burnham, and it is the best depiction of this problem that I have ever seen. It's a short watch. You can watch it with your kids, too. It's it's completely appropriate. But it follows the story of an actual eighth grader as they struggle with these things about to go into high school. And it is so challenging. I just can't even imagine it. And it's yeah. it's I, I but but I also don't know what to do about it. Well, and that's the thing, you know, like if we could go back, if I could go back as a parent, would I wait longer to give my kids a phone? Probably. However, when you have kids, when you're working and you have kids traveling from schools and riding with people, it's not a cop out. It's a necessity. It, is. it just I agree, is. I agree with that. But but I I know this because you and I tried to do this when we first got Will our twenty two year old his first phone which was uh, you know I don't know like a flip, a, phone. A flip phone seriously we went into Verizon and we said to them we want the basics we want like a cricket we want a phone that he can just call on and they're like there aren't those doesn't exist yeah. and sure. actually you're going to pay more for that kind of phone um, and so that's the thing as a parent you're you're constantly trying to walk this line i know we were probably tougher with will because social media and all that was very new at the time we would not allow him to have twitter he wasn't allowed to have like instagram and just like you know it's just coming up, up same thing and then with olivia she's really not she's not on social media that much she does more gaming stuff than social media stuff and then charlotte is definitely on it um, but it's just, it's a constant process and it is, you can watch their faces. You can watch them yeah. when they're scrolling through what I, they I see. I see it. I yeah. see it in carpool. Yes. Well, and if you take their smartphone away, you have to ask at some point from their perspective, is that just going to make that worse? Cause now they're the only yes. kid in the entire high school yes. that can't access the internet from their phone. Well, <laughs> and, and that's and, challenging. And, and I think about it. We used to, we used to kind of punish with the phone privilege with Will. And take the phone away. But it's really not something you can do now. It's just not. And I know that sounds crazy. I mean, I guess if you lived in Amish country. But they need their phone for school. They need it, you know, they need it to pull up assignments. They just do. And so it's not practical. It's almost like saying to them in a weird way, hand me your day timer. You know, because you're kind of penalizing them. Like you're thinking you're taking away from them. So, oh my gosh, they can't talk to their friends or they can't be on social media. But that's really not what 
the phone is for. I'm not saying that's not what they use it for, but it's kind of a weird way to punish now that I'm sort of thinking about it, you know, but you're right. I don't know what to do. So that's, I'm going to watch that eighth grade. I'm probably going to get really sad. The internal research that was leaked. um, Teens who said they felt unattractive, not good enough, and don't have enough money traced their negative self images back to Instagram and looking ahead. Remember that uh, they are developing um, a new Instagram product for children under 13. Do, do, do kids under 13 need a phone? Number one, are they to that point that you just discussed where, where it's used for uh, school and, and, and activities, communication with parents, maybe more than anything? I think supposedly what they're trying to do is make a safer space, which it's not going to be. But I mean, you know, where people can't comment or something is my, aren't the comments, something about comments and like, it's not, it's not supposed to be based on likes. And so well, as much. here's the thing. If Facebook is making it, it's going to, it's going to be bad. Absolutely. But can, can, before we leave this, can I just say if they made a phone like that specifically designed for younger people, like they used to have when I was young that had a button on it that said mom and had a button right. on yes. it that said dad. And, if, then, and then like a, 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 a nurse's cap. For emergency. Yeah. For emergency. If yeah. they made yeah. that right now, I have a feeling it would sell like wow. Oh, I, I totally agree. Even for agree. people our age that like to go hiking and right. just want to take that with them instead. Right. Don't want to have your battery drawn down by all or these Or just don't want the distraction stuff. of having that thing buzz in your pocket. And feeling that you have to post. Right. I've got to post. People wonder where I am right now. People yeah. miss my photographs. People are wondering, where are you right now? No, they're not. Well, see, and I have a theory that that's why anxiety is so high in teenagers and kids you know we say like often people who are old like us were like well we didn't have all their stuff when we were growing up you know we weren't anxious we didn't have this i think cell phones and social media has made these kids so much more anxious because there was that study done i think it was on 60 minutes where they had a group of like seventh and eighth graders and they took their phones away from them and they said you're safe your parents are fine you know, everything's fine. So you don't need your phone. And these kids, they took their heart rates and they were sweating. They were nervous. I'm the same way as an adult. Like you lose your phone for 10 minutes. You're like, where's my phone? Where's my phone? Where's my phone? Because God forbid somebody's trying to get in touch with you. What's what's happening? What's happening? Someone wonders where you are. Why have you not posted a photograph of who you're with and where you are? Yeah, I just don't, I don't get it. And for a lot of people, myself included, you can't leave work. You can't go home. Yeah. Work does, work does not end. That's you right. have your entire thing you need to do work in your pocket. 24 hours a day. Yes. Yeah. No, it's a problem. Right as the pandemic began to, to, to hit, we'll call it early spring of 2020, Donna Gallery Furniture had the, the, uh, the, the thought, you know what? I should go ahead and just order a bunch of, of inventory, a lot of stuff. Because Donna knew that um, the, um, uh, the, the the global supply chain was was going to be affected by the pandemic, and it still is today, eighteen months later. All of that inventory arrived um, at Gallery Furniture in Gainesville, and 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 because of Donna's uh, uh, thinking, they have inventory that you're not going to find at other furniture dealers. You're not going to find a big box retailers. They have so much inventory right now. A lot of it is not even on the showroom floor. So while other furniture retailers and big box furniture retailers are struggling with, with finding inventory and, and selling you furniture, that is not the case at gallery furniture. The, the chain is still broken. Uh, the, the, the queue of container ships right now waiting to enter 
um, the, the ports in, in Long Beach and L.A., which are considered some of the biggest, 65 vessels this past week, and they're waiting an average of nine days to deliver their cargo. It's crazy. As someone who relies on a supply chain for my job, like, it's a big problem. It is a big problem when you can't get things into your retail locations that you need to sell. Here's the thing, too. Like, the big box retailers, you know how they're always advertising, like, no payments. Like, if you do the financing with them, no payments. Payments won't start for a year. Your payments may actually start right when your furniture gets there because it could literally be a year before your furniture gets there. And we're not picking on the big box retailers. It's just a fact. When everything comes over in these boxes and is shipped over, it doesn't matter when you bought it. It matters when you're going to be able to receive it and get it delivered. And why would you let them earn interest on your money? You're basically paying them and you have no furniture and you're waiting and you're waiting and you're waiting. Go put your money to use. If you pay Donna today, they'll get your furniture to you very, very quickly. Or if you find it in the you know, on the showroom floor, or Donna has it at one of the four warehouses around Gainesville, you can take it home today. Yeah, and that's a huge selling point because if you're if you're in the market and you're looking for furniture for your home, or for your lake house, or for your mountain house, uh, or for your beach house, um, you need it and you want it right now. And listen, there are big box retailers that will remain unnamed, and they don't sell you stuff. They don't sell you anything off the floor. Pick it out today on the floor, gallery furniture, you take it home today. Let's say you go to one of the big box retailers and you find something that you want. You have to then make an appointment because, again, they're not going to sell it to you off the floor. You have to go to the warehouse. And in order to go to the warehouse, you have to make an appointment to pick up your furniture. Right now, those appointments are days and weeks out until you're able to go and pick up your furniture that you've already paid for. It's yours, but you can't use it. Gallery Furniture, 1600 Brownsbridge Road, Gainesville. Sleepers starting at $7.99. Ashley Klausner, Jackson Catnapper, uh, which is American-made. And these sleepers are on the, the showroom floor at Gallery Furniture, but Donna also has six or seven of them because she just doesn't have the room right now because of the inventory that she has. They're in the warehouse. But you can take them home today. Hashtag ask for the Wolfman. Hashtag ask for Donna. Gallery Furniture, 1600 Brownsbridge Road, Gainesville. I think that award shows are... I think of the past at this point. I think that the Emmys on Sunday night proved that. I like to to believe that I'm pretty tuned in to pop culture and to trends and things like that, just because I read a lot, but also because of the podcast. I did not know until late Sunday afternoon that the Emmys were on Sunday evening. I had no clue. wasn't even on my radar. And I remember when like the Emmys and the Academy Awards and the Grammys, those were like big nights, like especially like, you know, you wanted to see what was everybody wearing, who was on the red carpet. I just remember these being like, okay, I got to get home. I want to watch the Emmys or I got to watch the Academy Awards or whatever. Now it's just like, and, and here again, this is one of those things where COVID came along. And because we weren't able to have a lot of these events, you don't miss them that much when they come back. So uh, here's what happened, we think, because we didn't watch. Uh, Cedric the Entertainer was the host. Um, the Crown on Netflix was a big winner, as was uh, Ted Lasso. Didn't we watch an episode of Ted Lasso? On yeah, Apple Ted Lasso is great. I mean, people like it. The only thing I've heard from people is the language is so bad. Like somebody was telling me like they can't get past all the bad language. But listen, because, you know, I listen to dirty podcasts and watch dirty shows. I'm fine with that. And because you're dirty and like, I cuss a lot. So I'm OK with that. Yes. But we watched one. I think it's supposed to be good. Do you watch Ted Lasso? It's my favorite show on TV right really? now. The language is quite terrible. Yes. Yeah. But it's so, I, I'm a huge soccer fan, so it makes sense. But it is my absolute favorite show on TV. And I right love now. him. I love him. Yes. Love him so much that you forgot his name. Yes. <laughs> what is his name? Ted Lasso? No. no, no but in real life. Who, who plays Ted Lasso? Uh, 
Is it Jason Sudeikis? Sudeikis, yes. Is that right? And I did know yeah. who that was, yes. Who used to be married to Olivia Wilde, who's now, right? With Harry Styles. With Harry Styles, allegedly. I guess that's right, yeah. Mm-hmm. 21 nominations for The Handmaid's Tale. Yes, now let me and, tell you. It got zero. Mm-hmm. A Hulu production. Mm-hmm. The Emmys. There you have it. Audio for this episode from the My Second Night Podcast from Atlantic Records. Our thanks to executive producer Carl Appen. This episode of the My Second Night Podcast produced by Preston Thompson, host of the Georgia Politics Podcast. New episodes on Tuesday and Thursday of Cadillac Jack, My Second Act, produced by the Appen Podcast Network. <laughs> <laughs>